Thank you so much. I'm really proud of what you're doing, Mandy. Mandy with Global Hemp Association. I just wanted to give a shout out to all of our sponsors. It's been incredible working with each of you. Without you, we wouldn't be able to complete the projects that we have and get our seeds in the ground for this year's fiber variety trials. So thank you for everything that you've contributed. For anybody else, if you're interested in getting involved and want to contribute or sponsor, please reach out. We can make it happen. And we're live. And for just one second, the sound is quiet above me. So I was just laughing off, off screen, everyone, that uh, right above me, they must be doing construction and it sounds like it's coming through my ceiling. So if you hear a noise, that's what it is. Megan, Megan is sure that she can't hear it very well, but I think I just can't hear over myself or hear my voice, my own voice. And so um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining. I'm really, really glad to have Megan on today. I'm excited to introduce what she's doing and what her team is doing over at Trace Fem Care. Um, you're the marketing, the CMO, um, a physician and a co-founder of Trace Fem Care. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Thank you Great, so right? much. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm excited about making this connection. Uh, we had a little bit of a mix up with getting invites out and links. So let us know when you chime in and let us know where you're coming in from. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to say hello. Uh, let us know that you're on, logged on, and we'll give you a shout out. But before I ramble on too much, Megan, I'd love to hand it over to you and hear a little bit about your background, what you got you into this and yeah, where'd you come from? Awesome. Well, Thank you, firstly, Mandy, because I just appreciate everything that you're doing, the community that you're building, and mm -hmm. how you're moving hemp forward in just a really relational way, and that means a lot. So thank you for letting me be a part of it, and um, yeah, I hope some people hop on and feel very free to be as interactive as you want, because the more questions, the, the merrier. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get quite a few questions, right, that come in. Um, I'd also love to invite you to come back, similar to what we've done with Claire before, but I'd love to have you come back where we do a group meeting as well. We bring people on for those that haven't done it before who are on and, and listening and haven't, haven't registered for one of our Zoom meetings. You can actually log on and interact face-to-face -face and have more relationship and conversation and dive into some of the things that maybe it's a little bit more difficult to get the question across here online. So sure. yeah, Megan, tell me a little bit about your background. Awesome. Yeah, well, I am uh, a medical doctor. I'm trained at the University of Tennessee and I'm from Tennessee uh, and I have lived here my whole life, but I've lived all across the state from the mountains in Appalachia to Memphis. And now I am outside of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee, and that is where Trace Femcare is founded and where we operate out of. I short, very short version of the story have always been a very creative person that likes to think outside of boundaries. I very much adore and revere the human body and specifically how it interacts with nature and with other humans. And so I went to medical school because I wanted to know everything there was to know about the body. And I thought that's the way to do it. So that's what I did. And I really did enjoy the human interaction part of it. But unfortunately, within the systems, the way that we have the Western medical system set up, this is no one, one person's fault. This is how it's evolved over a long, long time. It's just put huge constraint on physicians and um, mainly with time and what we can talk about um, and how to be fairly compensated uh, through insurance companies. So I found myself a few years into practice actually really depressed, really trapped, feeling like I wasn't affecting change in the world the way that I had always dreamed that I would. Um, and so I decided to leave. I turned in my notice three weeks before COVID hit. Uh, then COVID came. So I stayed to help at my pediatric clinic, especially through that beginning acute time when things were really uncertain. And then finally, I said, guys, if I don't leave now, I'm never going to go. So I left and I explored a lot of different pathways. I, um, I'm a Reiki master, so I do a lot of energy healing. I do sound bowls, um, lead guided meditations and breath work because that's something that's just always come really natural to me. And part of what I'm interested in healing is soul and spiritual work and body work, body healing through energy healing. And so I was marketing myself and my own products and got wind of Claire Cronk, who is a neighbor's neighbor's neighbor, right? She was kind of distantly known to me. And she pitched this hemp tampon um, to a pitch competition she had was in in Nashville. And I was 100% hooked. So my sixth grade self that was like an entrepreneur making little hemp necklaces I used to take my old guitar strings and I would weave the hemp around and do the beads. And I sold these at my school and my like hemp entrepreneur spirit was like, I am on board with this. This is, this is awesome. And so I mean, quickly, quickly, I jumped all the way into hemp world, 
and the marriage between hemp and um, absorbent hygiene and period care and specifically how hemp can heal the earth, obviously heal our relationship with the earth and bring about that healing in the way that I had dreamed. So it's very much, very much aligned with how I feel now my life's purpose is, and I am just, I am riding the waves, man. It's, it's joyful. I mean, even on the hardest days of entrepreneurship, I'm still so much more fulfilled um, and happy to be in the company of a community of people that I feel like is really bringing the world forward in a conscious way. Uh, and, and hemp is just a huge part of that with its natural benefits. And then what I'm interested in, obviously, as a physician is pushing those boundaries with what are the human benefits. And there's just not been good research to, to say anything because, you know, obviously we couldn't even grow it until the 2018 farm bill. So there was no research done in the U S. Um, and then of course, CBD kind of got the spotlight for a few years there. And um, while I'm very interested in CBD application and, and research as well, I mean, right now for me, thinking from my allopathic medicine hat, doctor hat, something that's more digestible for that um, community is hemp fiber. So taking CBD out of the equation at the beginning phases, introducing how this was, this used to be common. This, this is nothing like, yes, it feels groundbreaking now, but this used to be everyone, right? Um, I say that, I say all the time, we are not, hemp is not new. It's not right. a new thing. We're new to it, right? Right. And, yeah. Exactly. And I, and so far that has gotten a super positive response coming from that angle, um, both in interpersonal relationships. When I talk to people, it literally takes less than two minutes to explain, you know, the difference between cannabis, hemp, CBD, THC. They get it immediately. And even people who were skeptical, both from my family's land uh, that was just not in this world to the medical land, they they say, oh, well, that's not as, you know, far-fetched as I thought. So, and I know we kind of want to get into that a little bit, but that's, I say that to start off with an encouraging note because it really is, um, it's, it's really neat the way that it can get accepted. Um, and especially when we can get our foot in the door this way. Um, and we can talk about uh, tampons and absorbent hygiene in particular, but I'll just give a teaser that we have to do an FDA submission. And we know that there have been some brands with CBD that have not been accepted by the FDA. So we are going a totally different route. We're just going to introduce this in and say, look, this is similar to cotton. We're not really changing a lot. We are not claiming any health benefits at this point. Then we can open the door and then I, um, you know, can be our medical director. I can lead clinical trials, et cetera, and, and take us in that direction in the future. So we're, we're going for the long game here. 
Okay, so I've got lots of questions just from the intro you gave. So I want to go back real quick. Like, why why did you get into this? What obviously you've got this passion and your entrepreneurial spirit, but from the medical side or the background of you know the benefits to him, can you speak to some of those specifically within you know that not just the femcare side, but in yeah. general we talked about you know the earth, the relationship that it has to healing the earth or to people, and yeah, talk to me a little bit about. Yeah, how I got into that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, when I was practicing, although everybody was excited about natural healing, remedies, nutrition, etc., it was, oh, yes, I'm about to talk about that, Jennifer. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that's exciting news. So even though people were excited about that, more more people um, and more physicians specifically are interested in this stuff than you might think, and that and that is pushed forward in the media. I, I do want to say that um, mm -hmm. most physicians feel like me; they want people to be healthy. They do not want to be prescribing a bajillion medications and just see the health decline. They just are constrained by a system that doesn't allow it. So there is a lot of talk behind the scenes. I am not the only one here talking about this a oh, lot yeah. of behind the scenes and how can we do this? And so people are coming up with really innovative ways. So some people are breaking off and making their own private practice that's, you know, doesn't accept insurance so that they can get around that barrier. Um, I have plenty of friends who are doing, um, who are doing like functional medicine fellowships, uh, things like that. And so this just happened to be my flavor of how I didn't exit, but, you know, took a turn. Um, and so to me, um, hemp part in particular, the, the immediate benefits of uh, soil restoration by increasing soil organic matter and carbon is huge is huge um i don't know if you've seen the documentary kiss the ground but most i know it's big in our communities right well i watched it with my kids the other day who mm. are five and seven and they literally lost their minds and screamed when they learned that soil is alive. I mean, screamed. I had to pause the, I had to pause the movie. And they're like, the soil is alive. So this is, you know, something that I feel like we have innately in us as children that we know that we should care for the earth because the earth cares for us. And I mean, obviously we're going to live here. This is our, our planet that provides for us and we should be living in reciprocity where we're, um, you know, tending for her as well as she tends to us. And kids know this. I, I don't even think it needs to be yeah. taught. Um, I think it just needs to be nurtured and remembered and maybe in some adults who've forgotten just remembering and so hemp is such a clear clear way to restore the soil to not have to use you know pesticides and herbicides because it's so hardy at such a young age because we live in an in a region that grows it really easily well i live in tennessee so you know tennessee yeah. Carolina. Um, and really all of North America is just yeah. pretty hospital 
hospitable for it. Um, and then, you know, carbon drawdown. I mean, it's amazing that it can pull down more carbon than a mature forest. I mean, to me, from an environmental standpoint, it is a no brainer. Um, it helps our farmers. We have direct relationships with our farmers and hemp is one of their easiest crops to grow, especially in drought years like this. Um, you know, where are your, where are most of your farmers that you're working with? So our hemp farmers are North Carolina, and then we are a blend of hemp and cotton. Cotton is its own problem, right? Because even organic cotton requires tons of inputs. It's a weak little sprout. It just will get choked out by other weeds really easily. It's, it's rough. It takes a lot of water. Um, hi david um it takes a lot of water and so we our cotton is a whole nother story but it goes hand in hand with this environmental story because we have joined pre-competitively with a lot of groups which i had i can now announce we've been waiting a year to announce this so we are with fiber shed and white buffalo land trust and material Valve and chico state and carhartt and mate the label reformation outer known koyuchi there's too many to even list now but this is a group of people that have come together to to push forward regenerative agriculture in california in the central valley and we are so proud of that consortium that membership as you can see it's nonprofits, universities and brands and farmers most importantly um, that we basically pay membership dues for to decrease to help their risk mitigation. Um, and then it was such a huge success for the first crop year, just employing regenerative practices like cover crops, no-till, sheeping down. Um, and it was so successful. They're both doubling their acreage for next year. So, you know, that's on the cotton side. Yeah. Hemp, I just, it naturally lends itself to that. And it naturally lends itself to, um, to regenerative practices, you know, and I think that if we can start now at the beginning and just um, be very mindful of how we're tending to the land, what practices we're using, not doing fear-based practices, you know, not feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to use, I've got to use nitrogen because my granddad did and, you know, otherwise it's going to fail, you know, um, and driving it forward from a brand standpoint and from a materials standpoint to know exactly the specific specifications we need for these materials so that we can empower the farmers and then they know which cultivars to grow these are the ways to do it very mindfully and very, it is a lot slower. It's not the fast way, but it's laying a groundwork for success for the land, for the land. And I, you know, we've heard our farmers, cotton and hemp say they know that soil restoration and, and keeping soil a living thing is the most important. I mean, that's the best insurance they can have, you know, for future crops and for their land in the future. Um, 
So I got into, I mean, to circle back around, I got into the healing part for earth just because it naturally made so much sense from all of those standpoints. And then the reason why the, the, the feminine hygiene or absorbent hygiene period care part made a lot of sense to me is just that half of the population menstruates. So this is not like, um, even though I love like hemp t-shirts and socks and I own them, that was a one-time purchase. You know, I was like, this is great because this is something that is used monthly. And right now, all you have for the best option in period care is just sustainable. So organic might be a little bit better, but it's not requiring less water input like our cotton. It's not, or and our hemp, it's not requiring less other inputs. It's still pretty extractional for the soil. So we were like, well, these two, this regeneratively grown cotton and hemp, which is really regeneratively, naturally regenerative, um, these make a lot more sense for a much more sustainable future and building the future. There's no other monthly, you know, care item that is renewable every single month that the more you use, the more the earth heals. There's, there's some things that the more you use, then you're reducing your carbon footprint or you're reducing your impact. But there's nothing that the more you use, then the more hemp we plant, the more hemp we plant, the more the soil heals and it continues that that positive feedback loop. Um, so to me, it just married right in with the human science and the earth science and getting on this early from um, an absorbency standpoint, obviously. We want to see what the exact absorbency uh, specifications are surrounding this because it's a whole new product category. Um, and as as a medical doctor, I feel very grateful to be empowered to be able to lead those kinds of studies in the future, be involved in those kinds of studies and help it become uh, mainstream. So that's uh that's how i got so passionate <laughs> i love it well and this this is of course where i'm curious right is as we do more discovery and more research and i'm kind of curious going back to the fda application what yeah. is it that they need you know what are they looking at in this application and what what is what do they need to be reassured of before this goes out to market yeah so this is not because we're we are hemp in particular it's because um tampons specifically are a class two medical device uh, because they are used inside the body and so anybody who's going to be making a new tampon has to register it through the fda so it's not the same as like if a drug comes on the market and you're doing clinical trials and it's a years long and you know multi-million dollar process this is a registration um, to say, look, uh, here's a predicate device, a tampon. We aren't making a new design of tampon. We're just doing a materials change. And it's our job as scientists to say, look, here are the properties of the hemp fiber. Here's, I mean, here's the lignin, here's the pectin, here's how it's similar to cotton. And cotton is what's already being used in the predicate device. and um, 
our team in particular felt very empowered to do that just because Claire was a women's health nurse practitioner. I'm a physician. And then our third partner, Olaf, came from absorbent hygiene and is like a genius in bass fiber. And he, so it's kind of the trifecta of understanding what we would need for an FDA application. Um, so that's what they're looking for. Uh, and we don't, foresee any problems with that. We are working closely with a couple of other um, consultants uh, and some uh, one of our consultants has done a lot of filings before and has done some of the other intravaginal things that have been um, and and urethral uh, catheters and things. And she says, you know, she's like, this should be no problem. So our other hope is that, you know, if we can get this one in the door, then that's going to open the doorway, not only for us to do more in the future, but for other um, companies who are exploring absorbent hygiene. And we, we support other people's endeavors. I can't stress that enough. This is a, a community effort and we lift each other up. Uh, you know, we, we do have to protect, obviously, our IP and things because we are working very hard uh, on this. But we also share what information we feel like we can, you know, with other um, people, with other companies in the space. We really feel like if we work together, um, it, it just makes us all succeed, especially in such a new industry, even more. I feel like we have to, right? And 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 really, I was saying this the other day, I was talking with a group of people that have been in the industry for a minute, and we were talking about this need for transparency and this need to be able to work together and share the knowledge that we do know, because we can't afford another black eye. Not right. to, It's not at this point, we are too small for it to be about being better or bigger or first, right? It really is that we cannot afford as a group, as an industry to have one more processing facility go under, to have one right. more farmer be burned, right? We that's, that's the last thing we need. And so I do, it takes a community and it takes being able to say, you know, what works for you and what didn't work? And when did you hire out? When did you outsource? When did you, you know, what, what trucking company may work for this compared to this? There are so many aspects. And, and that yeah, also yeah. goes to, Sitting in a room and a group or an opportunity where somebody is doing the same thing as you and being able to say, you know, how do we collaborate on and, and contracts? What specs are we finding work? Um, right. With that being said, Megan, wh what would you say some of the challenges are that you guys have faced, you know, especially in the fiber? You know, there's a lot of conversation about the profitability of the fiber industry and being able to find technology, you know, and, and farmers or SOPs or genetics. And so, yeah, I'm kind of curious from you along that supply chain, where, where have you guys really had the biggest challenge? And also, where have you been able to overcome some of the biggest obstacles? Yeah, that is, is such a good, I mean, that's the question, right? <laughs> um, Come on. So the biggest challenge, honestly, has been timeline. So, you know, I think we originally have these ideas of what we think is going to work. And there are so many moving parts. You were just alluding to, to some of them. I mean, from buying seed on 
to trucking the fiber to processing to manufacturing whatever your end product's going to be. I mean, there are so many moving parts and it is such a learning curve right now that for us, you know, we originally thought we were going to launch this this past spring and now we're pushed back to this coming spring. Now, did that all end up happening exactly as it should? Yes, uh, it ended up being great. But I think from an entrepreneur standpoint in the hemp space, just being prepared that it is going to take time and that sitting in those rooms with people, everyone's learning. And so some people might give you information they thought was really good and then it ends up tanking. Or they might give you information that's really good and then it works. And so being very flexible, being very open to change, and then also... Um, and transparent. And transparent. That's exactly what I was going to say. And finding the balance between how are you going to protect your own company and be transparent at the same time. Yeah. There is a balance there. Those yes. those are not mutually exclusive. And when I say transparent, I don't mean giveaway IP. I mean, here's a good example. If we're distributing equipment or genetics and we don't work in certain areas or we don't know about certain things, say you don't know. Yes. That is more powerful than promising a, a, a than over promising and under delivering. Over promising is definitely a hurdle to the timeline because yeah. yeah. And there, there should be no shame. I think yeah. that where we see the over promising and under delivering, I do not think anyone has ill intent. Agreed. It is just people are excited. They may not know everything that's going into it. So, you know, just be humble about what you do and what you don't know and be yeah. honest and like you said, it is not necessarily about giving away your IP, but it can certainly be about, well, we have found that th these strains work the best for this. That's not, you know, giving away too much. That's going to help everybody forward. And yes, we can grow that or no, we can't grow that. Or last year, you know, half of the crop did great. And I don't even know why. You know, just tell us if you don't know if 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 half the crop failed and the other half did great. I don't know what I did. Yeah, just say that and we'll say, okay, well then we'll try to do more controlled studies next year. That leads me into that, which is that coming from medical land, right? Controlled studies were like, I mean, we would spend hours just dissecting one medical study to see if, if this is, you know, something legit or not. I would like to see some more of that rigor brought over into the cultivating space so that we can get better information because okay. if we keep tinkering <laughs> like then that we are gonna die if we keep tinkering it's not going anywhere <laughs> you are speaking my language girl i everything you just said is exactly why we tried to do the seed trials or did seed trials the mm -hmm. way we did with and people say well why don't you put it out on fields with big groups with different farmers and it's like it's just goes back to what you said the variables are so there's so many and trying to just like in science, right? Mitigate those variables or, or 
um, reduce them so that we can just can see or measure the difference or what's making an impact. Yeah. When we did our fiber trials and I would love to talk with fiber shed and your group and share or see where we could collaborate and expand on our trials. Cause we did 10, 10 States, 10 different varieties under yeah. controlled situations. And we did them on, on same protocols with certified crop consultants. So yeah. and again, no discredit to farmers or students or university programs. They all have a place. They're just different. Right. If I ask a farmer, and again, they're they're also very valuable, right? Scalable trials in the field, once you know your genetics and you're measuring different things, are very valuable also. Yes. But if I'm looking for controlled studies and I put it on a farmer and that farmer's water line breaks or tractor goes down or his moneymaker disappears, what's he doing? Collecting data or fixing or repairing the things that are right. necessary? That's and so, exactly it. Yeah, you, know, you have to fund it. I mean, yes, that's their livelihood. Yes. Our farmers in California yes. for the cotton trials, it's not small farms. This is with, I mean, hundreds of employees and they have yes. to pay them. They have families, you know, they're not. So if they, if it gets down to a day where they're like, if we don't spray something, we're going to lose this whole crop. Well, mm -hmm. they're going to spray it. I mean, you can't blame them. So yes, yes. What you're saying and we, and I should say there is a, a, a agronomic support, uh, consulting group that also is working with that project too, awesome. because they know that the farmer has a bottom line to, you know, and, and, and I totally see it being applicable to hemp. And you're exactly right. What works in one region may not work in the other region. And if you change too many variables, at the How do you, know time, what you don't know what, what it was that you did. Yes. So you have to change one, one to two at max. Yes. And it has to be in the region that you're talking about. So you cannot grow hemp in Colorado at that elevation and that humidity and then bring it over to North Carolina and have it grow the same way. It's just not going to happen. Well, um, I think that that's, I, I wish I could cut this snip and I'm going to remember it because what you said from a perspective of product development and supply chain development for the entrepreneur comes back to good, consistent data, right? Yes. And I think third party data is also very critical, right? Yes. When it's, you know, that's a, and, and realizing where we're pulling that information from, right? It's one yes. thing for me to go to a seed provider or equipment manufacturer and ask opinions on genetics or equipment versus industry or a third party entity. And so, yes. yeah, I, I would encourage, I would love, let's take this offline another time because I could talk for a while, but I would love to see, you know, where we can if not collaborate on data, but expand our projects so that we're, we're collecting, you know, congruent data or, or comparing data back and forth. Right. And at the right. same time, avoiding spending the same money doing the same things. Right. You know? Right. Not, it, not it should be a collaborative effort, effort yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, awesome. And I would love to see more universities get involved because they have access. I mean, the new USDA grant is really a good source. And that you know, fiber shed. Yes. Fiber shed got a bunch in partnership with, so, you know, 
those are super helpful, but universities are getting grants all the time and you've got people who are super eager. I mean, if I had the chance to do my thesis on something like this, I would have jumped at the opportunity. And so because also we want to be viewed as a legitimate industry, um, I've run into people saying like they didn't think that our company was like technically a fast growing startup because she quoted to me, um, well, selling in farmer stands is different than being an international company. And we were like, we're not, we are, we are going to be an international company. This is a full, you know, you know, real, I didn't even know how else to say it to her. Like, this is a real company. And I, yeah. I really did some thought on that. And I think that that just comes from some of the stigma that we have in our minds. We hear hemp and there are some feelings, there are some textures, there are some words. Dirty hippie is what comes to mind. And it seems really niche. And it seems like that's not me. When in fact, it's, it's just, you know, think about organic cotton 30 years ago. It's yeah. the same thing. People are like, hey, I don't care. I don't care if it's organic, like what, but that's its own huge, you know, product category. And so to be taken seriously, we have to first acknowledge that those stigmas and preconceived notions do exist. It's silly to ignore them and say that they don't exist. It just is what it is without judgment. Uh, and then we can say, okay, well, then how can we break those stigmas so that hemp does move forward with the full potential that it has across so many industries, especially in fiber? And I think that doing very good research, having very good support uh, within the community, mm -hmm. and making it accessible, like what we're doing with the FDA submission, going in from a fiber standpoint, not making human health claims, being very, very strategic. Um, it's not because we don't love hemp and it's not because we don't. It's the stigma. It's, we, have to meet, we have to meet the, the industry that we're getting into where they're at. Right. You've got to meet people where they are. Apple Hill, right? Like, it's funny you bring this up because I've got a girlfriend that wears these most beautiful dreadlocks, you know, and they're, they're fake. They braid in, they're beautiful. They protect her hair. They've helped it grow. And I've wanted them for years. And in my position, I've chosen not to, because if I'm trying to change the stigma, that's my concern is not, I don't judge. I could care less what they think about me. It's that for the greater good, what am I trying, what message am I sending? And, and it is, it's that I'm getting away from, you know, dirty hippie. Right. Well, <laughs> you know? okay. again, no, again, no discredit, but it is this, where do I want to be and where, who am I trying to bring to the table? Right. And, and no, taking into consideration that. Yes. Yeah, that's totally it. I am right with you. I want a septum ring. I want to dry yeah. my hair. Um, I have my nose pierced and I, you know, I, I didn't, I took my nose ring out because in medical school and an attending doctor told me it looked like trashy or something. Well, they said a cuss word to my face. 
every curse on your website. But literally, an attending doctor told me I should take it out because it looked like doo-doo. And uh, I did. I took it out because I was so trying to assimilate there and prove that I was as smart as the other Well, I'm over that. I'm board certified. I, I have the same degree. I'm the same board as... And I feel the same way. I feel the same way about appearance and hair, right? It's like, I shouldn't have to walk in here to prove, but reality is the people we are meeting and trying to bring to the table to change the stigma. Once the stigma is changed, I I won't care. Just like you, once you, once you had your education, once you were confident in yourself. And I think for me, it's not even about personal. It's like, it's the industry image the industry it is it is right so i very much now still try to you know if we're going into a professional space we're gonna be dressing professionally um speaking differently speaking differently to different kinds of people um using different language um and it's not to fit in, like you said, it's to, um, it's to meet them where they are and to respect them. Because if we, I mean, if you bombard people with a whole bunch of change and it's too much for their nervous system to handle, then you've shut it down before you can even get started. So just being approachable and approaching them where they are and then leading them in you know, that to me has been the most effective way um, for the industry. And that and that's the approach that we're using, like for feminine hygiene um, in, in the hemp industry as well. So I love that kind of I know that was like a sidetrack, but I love I love that piece of advice is meeting people where they are um, and, and finding out what their needs are, what are their pain points? How do they like to talk about things, which parts of it turn them on and which parts turn them off and listening. I mean, we have to be actively listening, um, to make decisions, going out and showboating and over promising and saying, I can do this tomorrow and I'm going to be the best and I'm going to be the only one. That is not the way to move an industry forward. That's, that's, we've seen that fail in late stage capitalism. And that's not the way forward with conscious capitalism. I'm all for capitalism. I'm an entrepreneur. Hello. But there's a difference uh, between conscious capitalism, bringing the community forward together where everyone prospers and, and then saying, sayonara, sucker, I'm going to leave you in the dirt. I'm the only one. Right. Right. Well, and I I really like that. I like what you just said is this really is we have an opportunity to make the change. Right. And it has to be it has to be profitable. Otherwise, none of us are going to be in it. And so I want to talk really quick. Can we talk about the size and the scale of the of the the femcare industry? You know, talk to me. And then also you know, what are we looking at as size and scale for your operation, you know? And then one more, maybe you can throw in there is where did genetics and or processing really play a role in your end product? Yeah, those are really great questions. So, okay. So absorbent hygiene period, period care. I mean, absorbent hygiene is even bigger. That would include diapers, uh, pet, 
products, hospital pads, um, incontinence care, period care. So forget that, all those other parts. We're just focusing on the, on the period care. You've got a multi-billion dollar industry in the U.S. And the age, um, the population age right now, we have the most menstruating people than we've ever had. Um, so ages, you know, 13 to 45, 50, 55. Um, so... We obviously scalability is a challenge for us because we have to try to predict two years out because of the crop cycle um, where we think we might be in a couple of years and get our raw materials for that far out um, and also try to judge, you know, how quickly is this going to enter the market as a disruptor brand. So we look at the other disruptor brands within the period care industry. And even though hemp is obviously a new product category, those are the closest that we can compare to is like new organic cotton disruptor lifestyle period care brands that have been on the market for the last few years. So there's Lola. Um, there's one called August that is D2C that came out um, last summer. There's what does D2C mean? Uh, direct to consumer. Okay. So like okay. online sales. Yeah. Um, there is a brand called Honeypot that started as direct to consumer, but you've probably seen them because they're in Target. Once they entered Target and even Walmart, they really blew up. Um, and so looking at those brands, they have gained um, a huge percentage um from your traditional hygiene brands, Procter & Gamble, Kimberly-Clark, um, over the past few years. So those brands have lost 5% um, market share just in two years to the small lifestyle brands. And that's without hemp. Like, this is just organic cotton. That's a pretty big chunk for new lifestyle brands within yes. a, a short period of time. I mean, 5% exactly. on that market is impressive. Right, right. So it is a very fast growing, the lifestyle absorbent hygiene brands, it, very fast growing market. Um, I mean, some of the, the, the newer startups that came are having like 600% year over year growth. The, the, it's, so we, we foresee a very fast growth for us um, in that market. Obviously. I mean, obviously, because we're also new, we aren't just the the same. Um, and so as kind of the new first new materials innovation and in tampons in like 30 years, honestly, uh, we're excited to see how much on top of that of that market share we can capture. And even just with our target market, I mean, our target market is just people who are aware of hemp live in high organic, you know, uh, areas that buy organic produce and organic beauty and skincare products, et cetera, um, and who use tampons, we, we still would meet our five year, you know, projections very easily at our like baseline, um, at our baseline, um, what am I, what were my, I? I lost my word, uh, projections at our baseline projections. And so, um, 
it is definitely an area that's worth paying attention to. Mm -hmm. um, online subscription-based model uh, for renewable uh, health products like razors mm -hmm. and period care are one of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer uh, uh, markets as well. And, well, and it's so, so, like you said, connecting to the brand, right? My yes. personal care is no longer at Walmart or these third-party disconnected because the consumers are so much more aware and connected. Exactly. And then it gives us the power we're going to have. I mean, we we have full ingredient transparency. Uh, and I mean, it's easy because we don't even we're not even using bleach of any kind, you know, so it's easy for us to do that and meet today's demands of what consumers are expecting and should expect. I mean, they should expect that from a healthcare standpoint. If I were prescribing you a medication that was going to go into your body, wouldn't you deserve to have that giant fold out pamphlet that has every warning that could ever has ever and will ever happen, right? You may not read that, but you have access to that information. That's the only way to give you full autonomy of what's going into your body. And it is 100% absurd that this whole giant product category until this time didn't even have to disclose what ingredients were in it. Um, now New York and California have made laws that they have to. And so most companies have on their packaging starting to disclose. But I will tell you, Within the industry, they are freaking out about that. Uh, I mean, at last year's industry conference, it was a hot topic of what words can we use to make people not scared? I'm like, you have dioxin in there, you know, you got to use the word dioxin. Otherwise, you're not giving people autonomy. Uh, and so we are very, very passionate about that and using the real words and using layman's expla uh, explanational terms. And so that's why it's also important for us to sell on our website because we want to give all this information and we want to uplift our farmers. We already have our farmers on our website that you can see where your money is going to, who like literally the face of the person that your money is going to. It's really important that you have that relationship with them. Our values are heal self, which is the ingredient transparency and autonomy um heal kin which is the farm forward farmer first approach we support minority farmers and um and really building that relationship and then heal earth which we already talked about at the beginning but um i think if we uphold all of those principles and live in reciprocity and know that healing one of those principles in turn heals the next in turn heals the next and it goes in the hoop then that that is the foundational principle and we can't convey that on a tampon box at walmart like it's just not going to happen um we can convey that with with and uh, with really interactive um online presence and and building like a grassroots community of people who care um so that's that's the direction we and the approach that we take i had spoken to claire about this previously but you guys are in the perfect location you know when you talk about the bachelors and the women that come into nashville or bachelorettes you know the women that come into nashville and so 
talk about a great way to grassroots market and potentially get product into the market is yeah, Nashville's yes. a great spot for that. We are very on the fun side. So can yeah. you speak real quick? We only have a few minutes left, but I'm curious where genetics play a role in your end product compared to the processing um, and kind of what are you seeing as far as availability and what's needed in order for the U.S. to be able to provide you with the quality fiber or end product you're looking for? Yeah. Sorry. I know you asked that and I got sidetracked. And That's didn't okay. I ask a lot of questions. So it's good. <laughs> um, yes. So genetics definitely matter. Um, you know, we found a couple that are work better than others, but there are so many variables. It goes back to that variables question. I do not think you can just say, I'm definitely going to always plant this species, this there's just no way you can just say, I'm always going to plant this always for this use and across every region. And our farmers, our farmers figure it out, right? As long as we get an idea and there's some security, they're, they're smart to make adjustments where needed. Right. 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 But there still is a, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. I think you do have to pick, I mean, I do think you have to know, I think it's the most helpful to know what your end product is going to be. And I know everybody has said this, this is not anything new, but it's the most helpful to know what your end product specs are going to be. And you would not believe how many people we've been like, well, can you make this? And then they say yes. And then we say, well, what specs would you need? But they don't know. So knowing what you're going to make is it going to be a fabric? Is it going to be a lightweight fabric? Is it going to be a duck, you know, is it going to be a real heavy duck canvas? Is it going to be a, a, you know, herd animal bedding? Whatever the thing is, you know, fluff pulp, wipes. I mean, there's so many things. Knowing what you're going to need, you have to know what specification of those fibers is going to be. I mean, specifically, like, what's the length? What's the diameter? What's the strength? Um, and I am not the, I am, let me also clarify, I am not the expert out of our three-person team. I am the least expert on this part. So I don't want to talk too much out of my knowledge. Well, and I'm going to say this again, Olaf's name comes up often and his experience and his knowledge. And so I would love to even come back and dive into some of some of the science behind yes, what you guys are doing, right? The absorbent piece and, and yes. not just for tampons, but like you said, the wipes, the diapers, the everything else yes. that he's kind of played with for the last 20 plus years. Oh, for sure. And he loves talking about that. I mean, it would be nice to get like a group discussion where he can answer questions. He really likes teaching on it and awesome. we enjoy that too. So for sure, because it is important. And as we learn more, then we grow more together. And he's always so, you know, generous and sharing what he's learned and in the direction he thinks other people should go. And I mean, he helps out more people than I ever know. I'm like, Oh, you're talking, you know, talking to this person too, but because he really believes in these principles because you're right, because it, you do, you need to know what you're going for. You need to have, you know, somebody who's worked with fibers before. I mean, we could pull in people from the cotton side. I mean, any way to, yeah, other people, other ways to find uh, the specs and that way, then we can 
it's like reverse engineering going from the product backwards and then saying this is what uh, cultivars you need this is how tall to make them this is the diameter stock you need you know that kind of thing um is so important i think um oh, and yeah. that would be a really interesting group discussion topic for sure Okay, we only have like five minutes, but I do want to know where where do you see the industry today, um, and where do we really need to pull it along? You know, where where are some of those holes um, that maybe we need to focus on or be focusing on in order to really scale a product or an industry? Yeah. Um, so, do you mean hemp as a whole as an industry? Yeah. 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 So, I, so I will say that. A couple, I'm newer to hemp. Um, I haven't only been around it for, I guess, a year and a half now. And when hey, I, you're, you're old school now. Oh, you're, you're the rest of still, us. We're still alive. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. But I feel like we're I all first, so new to it. Yeah. Um, when I first came on, I kind of got the bug, right? Which I think everyone gets. It's so exciting. The community is so inviting. And you think I'm going to just rocket ship to the moon with this. Like, this is going to be so fast. This is going to be, I don't think you think it's easy consciously, but there is some sort of just momentum that you start feeling. But I think what I've learned is as an industry, we are just still baby, 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 babies. And the, the, the I would much rather see us have conscious deliberate and slow growth to set us up for a, a future that of success than a rocket ship growth where we mess up and we tank. And I, you know, I do think that happened with CBD some, and I think with fiber, we just have this huge opportunity to do it the right way. And in a way that's not been done. I mean, you can think of it as a blessing if you want to find the silver lining to, to hemp's ban for so long that we have a clean slate and we can take these um, localized systems and really apply them if we do it very deliberately and we do it on purpose and we tend to each other and we tend to the land. That to me it's going to set us up for huge growth in the future. So I see it as taking over. I mean, I see it as taking over cotton in a lot of ways. Uh, I see it way beyond linen as a vast fiber. Uh, just, I just think that it has huge potential. Um, I just want us to all be cognizant of the growth trajectory and be patient and not try to outpace our neighbor, but but bring our neighbor along with yeah. us. I'm always curious about the fiber market in the United States, right? And and where we're going to compete. And so it's refreshing to see and hear products that aren't just and, and again, notice credit, the textile market and clothing market is is huge opportunity considering this much of it is made in the United States, right? Yeah. And this yeah. type of fiber, you know, that you're you're getting is a clean, it's a high quality, it's probably the higher quality of the, the hemp plant. And so therefore yeah. the processing is also. Um, so yeah, it'll be exciting to see what happens over the next few years and new processing that comes in. And I'd love to continue to have you on so we can educate 
not just about the materials, but, you know, keep people up to date on what they're doing, what you're doing and how growth looks and how do we support you? Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to come on. The best way to support us right now is that we have a crowdfunder going right yeah, now on WeFunder. Um, the reason why we picked WeFunder is because of this community ownership aspect. It's, it just means a lot to us that everybody has the opportunity. And, you know, before 2016, if you, you couldn't invest on a crowdfunding, you could not get equity unless you, you know, had money in your pocket from your parents. And I did not come from that background. I didn't know any of these words until this year. And so empowering people to say, look, you can invest as little as a hundred dollars or as much as $50,000, whatever you want. And this platform will hold your hand through, um, is super helpful. And we've had great response and we're super grateful, but we, I mean, that supports us, but it also supports you. So if you want to spread your wealth around, especially within the hemp industry and you believe in the future of these, you know, especially these renewable products that have to be ordered all the time, then we definitely would love for you to invest in us. Plus you'll get fun prizes and Claire and I might even sing you a song sometime. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's on wefunder.com. And if you search there for tampons, we're the only tampons on there. So we're easy to find. That's awesome. I would love to share that. I have one last question before we log off. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining. And thanks everybody else. Uh, there's all kinds of people that logged on today and a lot of you that were on LinkedIn that we didn't see. So thank you so much, Dave and Ray, Jennifer, Tasha. Uh, but Jennifer, do you have, uh, Jennifer asked, sorry, Megan, do you get opposition from other fiber crop producers? And I would say um, both, both on the producer side and the other crop manufacturers. Like, are you seeing pushback from either, you know, the farmer well, or the... I don't, I think we're so young and our relationships with our farmers have been so personal. Um, and because they were based off of Claire's relationships that she had built before with her previous company... Um, we've been a little protected from that. Um, uh, and, and honestly, cause I think people underestimate tampons. I think people don't understand how big of a market this is and what big of a market opportunity this is. And so we haven't had tons of pushback yet, or maybe people just like us. I don't know. Maybe we're just nice. I don't know. <laughs> yes. But, yes. um, but no, luckily, luckily, uh, the people we've worked with, it's not been any pushback on purpose at all. Uh, uh, we've gotten some, we've gotten some pushback on how to work together um, from the manufacturing side. Um, but, you know, we've just stood our ground and stuck with our values and like really, really trusted our internal compass and it served us well, so. And I'm going to type the link to the WeFunder. Yeah, please, because I would love to also share it. We'll put it in our newsletter and we can help push it out too, if you'd like. Sure. But I, I know a number of people in the industry, these crowdfunds have been fun because like you said, multiple people can invest a small amount to a huge amount, but being able to be part of the growth of it is pretty dang exciting. And so I really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, anybody else in the industry you want to give a quick shout out to, and then we'll say goodbye. 
And it, who's doing yes. it? Yes. Well, let me circle back to one comment because I said I was going to say it and then I didn't. The FDA does have a new cannabis expert. I'm very glad he's there and I'm hopeful for the whole industry as a whole, both from the CBD side so that he can clarify um, and from the fiber side so that he can help clarify yes norman byronbaum i think is how i'm saying his name in my head but i don't know if that's right um he you know hopefully he can help them understand because we can sometimes make assumptions that people understand you know all of these things thc cbd terpenes less than 0.3 percent all these things that they may not know and so i'm very hopeful and glad that he's there i meant to circle back to that so i'll say that but the other, yes, shout outs. Thank you, David Camby, for joining. Yes. He's like my, he was one of my first contacts in to the hip world at She last year. And okay. I, so he holds a special place in my heart. And, um, and for those that don't know Dave, he's incredible. What he's doing is great. What he's doing to support the Southeast is pretty dang awesome in North Carolina, South Carolina area. And so very excited. Yeah, for sure. So that's who I see here that I definitely want to say hi to. Um, and then uh, even without names, other um, people are are working towards absorbent hygiene, whether it's period care, diapers, incontinence care. And shout out to you. Like you have our full support wherever you are in the phase of your business whether it's taking off and doing awesome or whether it's not doing well or you're in the trenches we want to support people however we can and we we have no interest in um in a cutthroat kind of competition situation and so shout out to everybody that's working so hard to bring these products because overall the purpose of this is for health of planet and people. And that's why we are doing this all together. And so um, thank you. Oh, and shout out to the WeFunder team in Nashville because they're awesome. Yeah. They answer all my questions. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So thank you. Thank you to WeFunder in Nashville. I love, I love that you say this and, and can say it humbly and honestly, because it's something that I've struggled with, right? Is you get into this industry and you're expected to know each of these pieces and the industry is so big and you and your team are so educated on this much of the industry each together right. is where we become powerful. Right. And so surrounding yourself with groups that are good at finance or that are good at manufacturing or engineering, you know, you don't have to be each of those pieces, but the value of collaboration and the value of working with people that are, and then being able to humbly say, what does that mean? I don't get that. Like direct to consumer, you know, just being able to say, yes. don't, don't be shy about asking questions. And, and yesterday somebody said on one of our calls, someone walks into a room and says they know it all. No, that's they a red don't. flag. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say run, but I didn't want to be rude, but really like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot to figure out. And so it's been pretty awesome. And yeah. being able to be at the forefront of that. Well, if there's anything, Megan, we can do for you, we'd love to collaborate. Like I said, figure out what we can do to move our trials forward, to be collecting the data that our industry needs, both on the farm, manufacturing, and distribution side or aspects of the supply chain. Um, and then again, I encourage anybody, if you guys haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. There's 
400 plus interviews published on the YouTube channel with great people just like Megan and her team. Um, and then we also have all of our events listed on both friendsofhemp.org as well as Global Hemp Association. And our seed trials are being ran through, through Friends of Hemp, Friends of Hemp. Uh, you can make donations there to support the trials or to get the data. So we're releasing data to sponsors because our trials this year were funded completely by sponsors, uh, private sponsors. And then we've applied for a few grants so that hopefully we can expand our trials as well. So uh, without further ado, I encourage you guys to please get involved. Let me know. I'd love to interview you. Or if you guys have anybody else you'd like to interview, Megan, I'll be in touch. I'd love. Let's see what we can do to get the rest of your team on. Um, yes. Let me know. You know, I'd love to have you guys on. Other than that, you guys have a wonderful day. Megan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you too. And yeah, anybody reach out to me. I'd be happy to help in any way, um, any way I can and explaining markets or explaining, um, you know, test, yeah. test design, uh, things like that. So, it, and if I don't know the answer, I will try to plug you into the right people. Who I love it. Love it, love it. Well, and that's, right, that's thank you too, right? Is not yes. if you don't know the answer, it's I know somebody who might, or I know somebody yes. that we can call, right? It takes well, cool. a village. Yeah. Well, thank you so so much. Everybody else, have a fabulous day. We'll see you next week. Go to our globalhempassociation.org webpage to see when our upcoming events are, and we'll see you guys next time. Have okay. a good day. Awesome. Bye. everyone it's mandy with global hemp association i just wanted to give a shout out to all of our sponsors it's been incredible working with each of you without you we wouldn't be able to complete the projects that we have and get our seeds in the ground for this year's fiber variety trials so thank you for everything that you've contributed For anybody else, if you're interested in getting involved and want to contribute or sponsor, please reach out. We can make it happen.